there's a difference between just seeing or hearing a message and then actually applying it to life. So for instance, you may uh, see a sign, I put that sign up, right? But if you don't actually follow, you don't actually apply that sign to your life, you're gonna be in trouble, right? Because, I mean, really, seeing it's one thing, but yet yeah, don't go that way. The bridge is out. Because if you go that way, you'll fall off the bridge. So, yes, there's a big difference between just hearing a message or seeing a message and applying it. And we're, today, we're finishing up what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that Jesus gave. We're in a series on the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus is telling folks about God's kingdom that God's kingdom had arrived. This is how you enter into that kingdom. This is what kingdom righteousness is like. And righteousness is a right standing before God. And he talks about how it's, it's more than just behavior. God's righteousness goes to our heart. And therefore, he ends his Sermon on the Mount with telling us, okay, don't just hear these words, apply them. It's not just to hear them, but apply them to your life. And he uses three images to really emphasize the need to apply these things. Okay, one is two paths or two gates. Then there's two different kinds of fruits. And then there's two different kinds of foundations. And all of these help emphasize that, all right, I'm going to compare the, the person who just hears but doesn't apply my words, doesn't put faith in my words, as opposed to the person who not only hears my words, but applies them in faith. And that's, he uses these three different images. So let's look at these images in turn. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to the end of chapter 7. Again, we're finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. And then next Sunday begins Advent. So we'll be doing Advent and Christmassy things as well. Um, but yeah, today we're finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus says... Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the image here, this first image is there are two ways, two paths that lead to two different gates. And there's one narrow gate that's hard to get to, and the other gate is, is wide, and the path there is wide and easy to get to. And Jesus says that these gates are like the two different ways, two different ways to go. And that we often will go the, the path of least resistance, right? That's natural, is that we're often, as humans, we seek that, the path of least resistance, the widest path, the path that most people are going on. I, I don't mind you, but sometimes if I go to a place where I'm not sure how to get to different areas, like if there's an event going on, you know what I usually do? I'm like, well, I don't exactly know where I'm going, but I'll just follow where everyone else is going, right? I'll just follow the crowd, and then I'll get to where I need to go. That's, it's natural. But the problem, Jesus, is, Jesus says, well, the problem with that is that the way to the kingdom is not popular, and it's not the easiest path, but it is the path that leads to life. Now, in contrast, the path that's wide, the path that's mainstream that everyone's going on, that's the path that leads to destruction. The bridge is out if you take that path. That's Jesus' warning here. And 
following Jesus' path. It's, it wasn't mainstream back then, and it's not mainstream now. It's difficult, and few find it. Jesus warns us this way. And this truth will become apparent when the crowds, the crowds who liked Jesus' miracles, who thought he was doing some great stuff, those same crowds, they'll turn on him. And then the popular thing will be yell, crucify him. And Jesus will go down the path that he came to this earth to, to go upon. And that is a path of suffering, a path that um, the crowds are cursing him instead of blessing him. It's the path to the cross. But when Jesus gives his life on the cross, he opens up the kingdom to all those who would want to follow him. So that's the first image that Jesus is emphasizing. No, uh, apply these teachings. So the path actually takes steps on that path, the path that leads to life, not the path that leads to destruction. So I think for us, we need to ask, all right, do, do we only apply Jesus' teachings that are popular and easy? Or do we apply all of his words? all of his teachings, even the one that goes against the grain, even the ones that are difficult? Or how much are we influenced by social pressures? Again, we see the crowd going a certain way, and we automatically assume, well, then that must be the best way. That must be the most valuable way. Or they must be doing the really important things, because look at all those people. But that's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is often a, a path where we, there's not many people on it. Uh, just an example of this, uh, on Sunday, we had, uh, this past Sunday night, we had our, our prayer and praise night. Now, what's the point of the prayer and praise night? It's really just to gather together, praise God, pray to God, and our goal is to encounter God. There's nothing better than encountering God. And that night, like, we all that were there, we experienced God's presence in a very powerful way. But there was only seven of us there. Now, those who would see from the outside, they were like, oh, that must not be that important, what they're doing there. Or, or that must not be very good, because, look, there's only seven folks there. We feel that sometimes. We come into a place, and maybe there is only a few, and we automatically assume, because we're such social creatures, that, oh, that must not be that good. But the kingdom way, the kingdom path, is about God, experiencing God, encountering him, accounting his, his will and his presence, which sometimes is hard, and sometimes there's not many people on that path, and that is okay. In fact, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, apply my words, no matter what other people are saying, no matter how hard the path is, the kingdom is worth it. Go on that path. Take the path. Don't just hear about it. Just don't know about the path, but actually walk the path. The next image that Jesus gives is fruit. Matthew seven fifteen. Jesus says, he, so after he talks about the two paths, then he continues to say, uh, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. 
a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, but can a nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And, when I and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the two paths theme continues in that there is the way to the kingdom where we follow God's word through the prophets, right? God speaks through prophets and we're the sheep of his pasture. But then there's the other path of the world where there's false prophets and imposters, wolves in sheep clothing. So there's these two kingdoms. And like any kingdom or any country, enemies try to undermine the kingdom from the inside out, right? Through espionage. So with that in mind, we, we think, okay, well, wait a minute. Okay, I want to follow the kingdom path and God's word, and I trust and place my faith in him, but, but with pretenders out there and false prophets, how do we know which way to go? How do we know what is right? And that's where Jesus says in verse 16, one way to discern is you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So the image here is fruit. Fruit helps us discern what kind of plant is this? <laughs> exactly. Oh, good, we've got the grape. So let's do that. Right? You don't, see, we do this naturally. And David, I appreciate you doing this segue here because you can look at that. You don't need to be a farmer to know and observe what's, what is that? Grape. Grape. Right. Thank you, David. Now, we can go further. Let's do some, let's do a fruit game. Okay. You're feeling fruity? All right. If you see this on a tree, right, it's a banana tree. You you. All right, how about these? Apples, right? You, you see that? You're not going to say, hey, that's a grapevine. No, it's an apple tree. And then finally, orange. Yes, my favorite color, orange. So we don't need to be experts. And Jesus says, all right, there's two different kind of fruits. And there's fruits that are, are, are based in the kingdom and if you're rooted, if you're a kingdom plant, the kingdom of God, you'll naturally bear fruit. It's not about trying harder. And then the other thing about this image of fruit is this fruit, it nourishes, it feeds. But it also is a little seed packet, right? There, there's seeds in here that will produce more fruit. So the kingdom fruit is that which is rooted in God, and then those actions and those attitudes, those things change your very identity, so you naturally bear fruit for the kingdom. So when Jesus says, all right, you'll know them by your fruits, by their fruits, the question is, all right, what are they rooted in? Are their actions and attitudes and all of that reflecting God's kingdom? 
Are they reflecting the kingdoms of the world? So that someone can even do mighty works in God's name. Right? He, he says, even like cast out demons and prophesy and do mighty works in God's name. But Jesus says, but they'll say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I, don't, I don't even know you. Like, well, well, wait, but those kinds of things, casting out demons and whatnot, like, that, isn't that a work of, of, the, of, of the kingdom? Well, see, every, it all depends on where is it rooted in? Because there's more than just God's kingdom, right? There's the, the kingdom of Satan. Supernatural things can come from God's kingdom, but they can also come from the kingdom of Satan. Uh, we have worldly kingdoms. We have ourselves. And the, where is the fruit coming from? That is the key, because that will discern. All right, I need a volunteer who likes apples. Okay, Eric, I want to give you these apples. Uh, how do you like them apples? Um, <laughs> all right, just hold on to those for a second. So what is kingdom fruit? Because you, it's not literally fruit. So the kingdom of God isn't about start, like we all buy orchards and stuff. This is a metaphor, right? So what are we talking about kingdom fruit? It's, it's God things that grow from and multiply the kingdom. But it's not just actions. It's also attitudes. Because Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit, the spirit of God being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Now, those aren't actions, they're attitudes. So fruit is anything that, because it's based in God's kingdom, naturally produces godly things that nourish and flourish. Because here's the, the fruit doesn't have to try. A plant, so an apple tree doesn't have to try harder to grow, to grow apples. If, if, the, if the tree is healthy, it will naturally grow apples because that's what it is. So too, when we are rooted in God's kingdom, when we have placed our faith in Jesus, that we will naturally bear kingdom fruit because we are rooted in that. Now, the problem comes. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus says, okay, you'll know them by their fruits, but then he, he does point out, but there's a lot of fake fruit that there's, there's some who do kingdom kind of things, but because it's not actually rooted in Christ and his kingdom and faith in him, then it's not based in who Jesus is and, and Jesus doesn't know them. That fruit's not from him. So Eric, I gave you two fruits, right? Are they both real? Which one's real? Okay, that one is real. So you could take a bite out of that one. I mean, oh good, yes, please do. <laughs> Okay, it's real, it's good. Now the other one, are you, no, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Now they look the same, especially from, from our perspective, right? They, they look, they both look like apples, but only one is actually nourishing. So Jesus says, you know, be careful. Now, a, a couple of folks this week asked me about this scripture where Jesus says, hey, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, uh, and when they come, I'll say, I've never known you. Like, that's a scary scripture, isn't it? Yeah, it's sobering. 
And so a lot of us, and I wasn't going to go too much into it, but, but when two people ask me about the same scripture and they don't even know I'm going to preach it, I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit is guiding me to speak more about this, is that, yes, we can get scared and we can start to think, oh, oh man, I don't want to be one of those people, right? None of us want to be one of those people who we're, we, we say Jesus is our Lord, but then when we get to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven, he's like, ah, I, don't, I never knew you. None of us want to be that person. And so when we start thinking, all right, well, then what do I need to do? I mean, okay, I got to bear fruit. I got to bear real fruit. And so how do I do that? How do I bear more fruit? What works do I need to do so that, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'll be accepted by God. That he'll say, he won't say to me, I don't know you. What do I need to do? And that scripture, this should be sobering. It should cause us to pay attention. But I want to point out something about this scripture by going to another scripture. There is uh, a similar context. Jesus was talking to the crowds, because remember this, Jesus is talking to the crowd on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, talk, he's telling them how one enters into the kingdom of heaven. Well, on another occasion, there's a crowd, and they're asking Jesus, all right, wh what do we need to do? We, you're talking about eternal life. How do we do that? What do we need to, what fruit do we need to bear? What works do we need to do? And it's found in John chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. Again, similar context, but different, uh, a different gospel. So Jesus said in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you for on him, God, the father has set his seal. Hey, similar, all right, hey, um, Jesus is saying, work for the food, right? Real fruit, real food that endures to eternal life. And one of the interesting things about uh, the Gospel of John is he often uses the term eternal life where Matthew and some of the other Gospels use the word kingdom of God. So, so, there, so he, Jesus says, yeah, you know, make real fruit, get the, real, the, the fruit that endures, the food, the work that endures. And then verse 28 the crowd says to them, well, what must we do to do the works of God? So they're like, okay, all right, what work? You know, how, we want that food. We want that fruit. How do we do? What do we go about doing? How do we do that? And then verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Do you, do you hear that? What is the work of God? What is the primary work? It is belief. It is trust. And so we need to get into our minds what truly is belief and trust. It's not simply believing that Jesus exists. That's like seeing a sign. The bridge is out and saying, oh, yeah, that sign exists. It is a faith. There's a trust that says, I trust Jesus more than I trust myself. I trust his work on the cross. I place my faith in him. And here Jesus says, that is the work that God desires. That is the first fruit. So if you're wondering, oh, what do I need to do? It starts with trusting in Jesus. And then you will naturally bear fruit. You will naturally follow Jesus. Faith is being rooted in Jesus and his kingdom and believing in him whom he sent. Get rooted in that. And then, like fruit, it's not about trying harder. It's not about uh, doing, you know, producing more fruit. It's naturally bearing fruit based in God's kingdom, based in who he is, based on what he has done, not based on what I do or what I've done. And to me, when I first read that scripture, when it was first pointed out to me, it just opened everything up. 
that the work, the fruit, the food that is desired by God is trust. Trust applying his words to life. When you have the proper root, you'll bear fruit. Now, that doesn't mean once we've trusted in Jesus that sometimes we don't do things that are based in other activities, all right? Sometimes that happens. Uh, just an, so an example, the, the, really, the question comes down to where's the fruit coming from? And I know there's many, been, many times in my life where I'm doing ministry work, and when I stop and I look at it, I say, wait a minute, that was based in in me. That fruit was coming from me. No wonder it was short-lived. No wonder I um, lost my energy. As opposed to, no, when that fruit is, is based in God's kingdom and coming from him, there's a whole different flavor. There's a whole different abundance there that continues. Another example is we're doing our, uh, our, our pledge campaign, our stewardship campaign this month, where, you know, we're asking members and those who are regular attenders to kind of give a pledge of what do you think you're going to give next year so that we can plan as a church. We want to bear fruit together. Um, but one of the reasons that we do this in secret, so you fill out your card and you put it in the box, but the only person who knows about it is the financial secretary, is because we don't want fruit that is born from, all right, I want to appear spiritual, or, or I don't want the pastor to think less of me. No, we want the fruit to be between you and God. And it is an expression of saying, God, you are so good. You've done so much for me in thankfulness, and I want to be a part of spreading your kingdom and doing what you do. So yes, I'm going to give a portion of that to you. That can be a fruit if it's rooted, and you're doing that because of faith in Jesus. But if you're doing it for a different reason, then it's rooted in something else. And we want kingdom fruit. So are you a plant rooted in Jesus and his word? All right, last image. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So here, this image also, two, two foundations. There's a one foundation that is built on rock and the other that is built on sand. And Jesus says, those who build their foundation on my words, again, who apply them, is, are like wise people who build their house on rock. And when a house is built on rock, rains can come. It doesn't wash away the underlying structure. This image here emphasizes a long-term commitment, not just following a couple of Jesus' words, but building your whole house, on your whole life upon him because you trust him. You believe in him. You don't just see him and know, oh, that's the son of God, but you actually trust him so that your whole house, and in, in the Bible, sometimes it refers to a house as your legacy, you, you build that day by day on Jesus, who he is, his teachings. 
And that foundation is the most important part. And that becomes apparent, the, the importance of where you build your house becomes apparent when the storms come. So I think we have a picture of, there's a, um, a, a lighthouse in the ocean. So it's getting beaten by waves, storms come, it gets beaten by storms, and yet it stands. Why? Because it's on the rock. Now contrast that to the house built on the sand. The, the, the floods come and the house falls. This is the image Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know, build your house on the rock because the storms of life will come. And in fact, the final storm, when, we, when we, we think of the biggest storm, the biggest flood, we think of Noah's flood, and that was God's judgment upon people. And not many people withstood that except for Noah. So too will God's judgment, full and final judgment come, and the question is, will our house stand? Is it built on the rock? Is it built on Jesus and his teachings? Because if it is, then when that full and final storm comes of judgment, we will stand. It was because of Jesus, because of his words, and because we trusted him enough to say, I'm not just going to, you know, think that Jesus exists. I'm actually building my life and legacy upon him. Or do we build our life and everything on temporary things, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, things that the whole world says are important, but yet they're really like grains of sand so that when the storms come, when death comes, it just gets washed away and our house falls. You see, here Jesus is telling us, after he's given this huge sermon on the mount, he ends with these images to emphasize, okay, now apply it, do it. You've heard the words, but now live the words. Apply them to your life. Bear fruit. Build that foundation. Take the narrow path. Because that is what trust is. And so again, if you're here and you're wondering, oh, am I going to be one of those ones that say, Lord, Lord, but God didn't know me. Well, if that scares you, if that's something you're frightened about, well, then right now, say, all right, God, I Put my faith and trust as best as I know how in you and in your words. And that faith, again, isn't just a belief that Jesus exists. It's a belief that Jesus is the one I need to follow. Jesus, I trust him in his words more than I trust the crowds, more than I trust my own ideas. That's what faith is. And then the assurance, though, is that if you trust in Jesus, then you rooted in him, you will bear fruit. So it's not, I'm not telling you, hey, try harder. Do, make, you know, you better make some more fruit. No, but if you're rooted in Jesus, you'll naturally bear fruit. And the good news is that sometimes we go through dry seasons just like any plant. God will sometimes prune us so that we bear more fruit. But where we build the house... Every, every journey begins with the first step. I don't know who said it, but wh whoever said it, congrats to them because that's a cool saying. Um, every journey begins with the first step. And so today, as you're here, what step are you going to take? How are you going to apply Jesus' words? Will you take that step onto the narrow path? Or... When it comes to your life, your legacy, where will you build? 
what will you build upon? Now, there's so many different ways to apply Jesus' words. I can't say to each one of you, okay, so that means you need to forgive. You need to give. You need to do this. You need to do that. No. What I'm saying is that go to God and say, all right, God, I do trust in you. I want to build my house on you. So, Lord, what step do I need to take today? Now, some of you, it might be, I need to trust him. I need to, to tell Pastor Joel, yeah, I'm in. I trust in Jesus. I trust in his death on the cross, and I'm his follower now, and will rejoice with you. But others, again, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's um, stepping into a new ministry. Whatever it is, God is saying, all right, time to apply it. Time to take the step. Time to build the house. And in this time of prayer, let's go to him and ask all right, God, what does that mean for me as, as individuals? Let's pray. Dear God, would you show us, each person here, Lord, I pray that if there's any who don't, have not trusted in you, put their root in you, that they would do that today. As best as they know how, Lord, they would pray, Lord Jesus, I trust in you with my life. I trust you with this day. And for those of us, Lord, who have already trusted in you, we pray you would show each one of us, Lord, Holy Spirit, move in this place and prompt in our hearts that step we need to take today. Put it in our hearts, Lord, and then give us the faith to step into that. Even if it's difficult, Lord, even if it's a narrow path, even if it's a path that no one else is on, we pray that we would trust and follow you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you for your ab abundant love, your forgiveness, your grace, your kingdom that you invite us into. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.